not all of our guys are pure production agriculture. Sometimes they work in agriculture in a different capacity, and that's what Caleb does. What we're excited about for him coming to you is the scope and the perspective he can bring. He's a younger guy. He's a Georgia guy. He covers acres that uh, are in production of stuff that we don't do a lot of talking about, but we're going to now um, as such. Welcome to Extreme Ag's Cutting the Curve. More than just a podcast, it's the place for insights you can apply immediately to your farm operation for increased success. This episode of Cutting the Curve is brought to you by Ag Explore. With innovative products that improve fertilizer efficiency, protect yield, and reduce stress, Ag Explore helps maximize field potential. Find out how Ag Explore can help you get more out of your crop at agexplore.com. And now, here's your host, Damian Mason. Well, greetings and welcome to another fantastic episode of Extreme Ag's Cutting the Curve. Today, we're meeting Caleb Traw. He is a new Extreme Ag affiliate. He's also an agricultural consultant. So, Caleb Traw, ag consultant, new Extreme Ag affiliate. Give us the lowdown. Who are you? <laughs> so, yep, I'm Caleb Traw. I'm an ag consultant here in Southwest Georgia, and I work with growers, uh, I started out with uh, soil fertility that I kind of specialize in with soil samples and then now work with a lot of growers, uh, even across the southeastern United States. Uh, I didn't grow up on a farm, uh, even though my grandparents farmed in northeast Iowa. When my parents moved down to Georgia, well, of course, they weren't farmers. But even just being in a rural agricultural area, I kind of knew even from a young age that that's what I wanted to do. So whether that would be catching a ride in a tractor behind the house or going and ginning my own cotton when I was three years old and growing cotton from, you know, leftovers of harvest from the year before. So I always kind of had that drive for agriculture. But even as as I progressed, it became more uh, agronomically speaking. So trying to figure out the why into things in agriculture. Yeah, I, I like it because, you know, uh, most people that are in the industry come from the industry. Now that's changing. I get uh, newsletters from my alma mater, Purdue, and they tell me that the school of agriculture now is less than 50% or right at 50% that are farm kids. Well, that's changing because we don't have as many farms through consolidation. We don't have huge farm families like mine was. And also there's a lot more stuff, you know, con- agricultural consulting has grown or, you know, food processing. Think about that. So you're not a farm kid. Now, that's what's interesting is, but you do work in the industry. Most people that are farmers still come from a farm background, but certainly in the industry, you see yourself kind of splitting the splitting the between the farm and the consulting anyhow, because you you want to be a producer. Yes. Yeah. And well, especially a producer, but also just being able to work with farmers. I mean, you know, that's what makes me happy. If I can take somebody's operation and maybe help them get to the next level, help them take things from good to great. And I feel like you said, since I didn't have that background that I came from, I didn't have to relearn things in a different way. You know, sometimes uh, people do things just because that's the way their dad or their grandpa did it, a previous generation. So now they kind of have to change their mindset. Well, I didn't have to be held back by that. I could, you know, learn from people who are way smarter than me, you know, attend a lot of educational events with people. So 
Uh, I always had the saying to make sure that I'm not the smartest person in the room. So being able to surround myself with people who are at the top of their game, good at what they do, learning from them, but also being able to be a student of the crop and to learn to listen to what the plants are saying, it really helps me to, uh, you know, help growers to get the most out of their crops. Caleb, you're a young guy. Um, how old are you? 26. 26. Uh, graduated from high school, went to college at University of Georgia? I did not go to college. So I actually graduated early and went right to work. So initially- Whoa, whoa, <laughs> wait a minute. This is kind of a different, I figured you were going to tell me, yeah, nope. I went and I'm a agronomy major or something like that. So give us this background. That's kind of unique. Yep. So uh, I graduated when I was 17, took an early graduation and actually started in the wildlife industry. So uh, by the time I was 18, I was managing a deer, quail and timber plantation here in southwest Georgia and did that for about eight years. And, and while I was doing that, I was also farming with a, a good friend of mine on the side on the all the weekends and the afternoons basically doing two jobs and so uh, even even with a little bit different background even in my early career i still was uh, building my agronomic knowledge and then basically you know i knew what i wanted to do and i was constantly learning and taking things in and trying to take things as i could to the next level and then in 2020 that's when i decided to uh, start my own business and then things just kind of skyrocketed from there. All right, I like it. So at 18, you said you're managing a, a wildlife property. Is it for hunting purposes or is it for, yes. okay. So you're, and then is that the part of the world, like when you read about um, when you can go on these uh, quail hunts, when they drive you around on a, in a horse and wagon, is it one of those kind of places? Oh, yeah. Yeah, we didn't do a whole lot of quail per se. It was a lot of uh, deer and, of course, timber production, of course, in Georgia. Uh, I think Georgia is number one in the timber industry. So uh, most, people don't, another... most, people, most people don't know that. Most people think that, you know, that there's somehow out west, but it's like, no, there's a whole bunch of pine forest down where you're from. Right. So, so there on the plantation, we had about 2,500 acres of planted pines to where, you know, it's it basically like agriculture. We went out there and we planted a crop, we took care of a crop, and then we harvested a crop. Now, instead of doing that in one year, it might be over 25 to 30 years, but that was, that was a neat experience. And there's a lot of things that do tie into uh, agriculture. So uh, definitely a, a broad range of, of topics that I've been able to work with. So right now you call yourself an ag consultant, but is it, do you think you specialize on soil and agronomy or on botany plant? My passion is for soil. I mean, that's kind of what I started my business around was soil sampling and being able to help growers to put a fertility and crop management plan when it comes to making sure that that crop has what it needs to reach its full potential. Now, since then, of course, I've had growers that say, hey, can you work with me throughout the year? And, you know, uh, you know, take a look at my fields and see what we need to do. So it has transferred into some uh, scouting and and keeping up with the crop all the way through harvest. But it kind of started with me from what's happening below ground, because that's always fascinated me. Caleb, you, you kind of had to have 
uh, some balls to start your own business when you're 23 years old, 23, 24 years old. And let's face it, you say, I'm going to be an ag consultant. They're like, well, that's great. You've been you've been managing a timber and wildlife property. You're going to help me grow peanuts. How? Answer that. Yeah, and especially without a college degree. But, uh, you know, that's where I've always, you know, we've I've always had uh, ties with agriculture. You know, it, when any, with any job that I've had, I've always been farming and working on a farm on the side and really trying to uh, take in as much as I could, whether that be, you know, attending seminars, educational events. And then in the farming that I've worked with over the years, we do a lot of trials, a lot of research, like last year on our farm. We did uh, about 200 research trials, just trying to see, you know, what works and what maybe doesn't work on our place. And then now being able to expand that to other growers, whether it's ones that I walk their fields here in southwest Georgia, northwest Florida, or ones that I work with remotely, even in other states. It's been kind of cool to learn that side of things. And, and you know, that's what a lot of growers are looking for that knowledge, that experience. And well, frankly, that's one of the reasons for Extreme Mag because you're taking those experiences even from all over the country and putting them together for people to learn from. You said something, and I want to get more into the soil and the botany, but let's, you know, this is this is fascinating to me. Um, you talked about learning it versus relearning. And I, I agree with that. And I am a farm kid and I'm away from it. I'm not an actively producing, you know, I'm like the guys extreme ag com compared to me, obviously. But I think there's this thing where you know what you know from growing up and being around it and being out there on the tractor or walking the fields or milking the cows or whatever that thing should be. But you've got to be, um, uh, capable and more importantly willing to say yeah we thought that back then but damn you know what we know now and that makes you better and i think the listeners and the viewers of extreme ag are very much of that mentality that's why they're here right uh if they weren't that way they would be at the coffee shop uh you know bsing with the guy down the road about the same old bumpkin talk about you know gossiping over who's more successful than them that's a key mental thing. Do you think you're that way because you didn't go to school? Do you think your ability to keep learning and then even, because you said learn versus relearn, but you're probably going to need to keep doing that. Will you? And also, do you think you're better at that? Because maybe you didn't get, I don't know, indoctrinated by going to uh, university? You know, there's some things that you can't replace with that kind of education or growing up, you know, being fully immersed into that kind of thing. But I think regardless of somebody who's been in the agriculture industry for a week or for 30 years, the important thing is to always be a lifelong learner. You know, everything in agriculture is changing so rapidly. I mean, just uh, I talk with guys on their operations. How did you do this? two years ago? How did you do this five years ago? And they're like, man, things have changed so much. Yeah. I can't even believe that we were doing things the way we did just a couple of years ago. Yeah. And so that's where it gets kind of hard for somebody who's on a tractor 40 or 60 hours a week to keep up with everything. So that's where uh, some of them, you know, ask for help, you know, what are some of these new things that we should be looking at? But being willing to constantly improve our operations is something key for everyone. <clears throat> when you, uh, 
you said, I'm going to start doing this. Did you, did you say, wait a minute, there's a whole bunch I don't know, because obviously you're 26 and you, you know, you're talking to people that are say 40, 50 years old and you're trying to sell yourself as a advice, an advisory source to them. What did you, what did you come in and say? Here's the, here's the three things I really know that I, in other words, the three things you can really contribute to our listeners, extreme ag and the few things you're like, and I'm not, and I still got a bunch to learn over here. <laughs> yep. Yep. Absolutely. And speaking of that, when I go to and talk with people who are way smarter than me, uh, one of the guys I'll always remember when somebody were to ask him a question, he said, you know, I'll answer your question as long as I can have the option of saying, I don't know. So, you know, we're all in that process of learning no matter where we're at. And that's where, you know, it goes back to constantly uh, keep progressing with industry. So in I want three, I want three, I want three categories or topics or, or um, genres or even specific crop things that you can bring to the extreme ag listeners and even the extreme ag founders that uh, maybe the, the Lee Lubers up in Gregory, South Dakota is going to be like, Oh, I'll be darned. I didn't know that. <laughs> yep. So I'll say one of those things, of course, in this area of the Southeast, especially Georgia, Alabama, Florida, we're big in peanut production. And that's not something that's real common. Even across the Southern United States, there are kind of pockets here and there. And certainly one of those largest pockets is right in this area. So uh, that is one crop that I uh, definitely have, uh, you know, a lot of experience in if they're, you know, uh, in All right, well, let's, let's stick on that because I've spoken at peanut uh, conferences and I've learned a lot. And before I hit record, you noticed I was eating peanuts in tribute to you and that part of the world. Four states grow almost every peanut that's grown in the United States is in Georgia, Alabama, Mississippi, and the panhandle of uh, Florida is my understanding. And you said, yeah, that's accurate. So almost all the peanuts are produced right there. Um, <clears throat> they're legume. Um, they're, they, 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 they are under the ground. They come out wet. They come out (laughs) wet. So like the thing you're eating is dry and salty and you love it, but it actually is wet and under the ground when it's growing. And I think there's some people even in ag that are like, what? I didn't know that. (laughs) Yeah. That's one thing, uh, you know, it always cracks me up. Even, even with, uh, other people in agriculture, they are surprised to learn that peanuts do grow below ground. So it's, it's definitely a, a unique crop while it is, uh, it does have similarities with soybeans and dry edibles and things that are grown above ground. Uh, peanuts are are grown below ground, so it's definitely a little bit differently. It's it makes it more like a potato. For, you know, it's, it's, yeah. it's like, it's like okay. a potato meets a soybean or something. So what do what do you think that when we talk about this, besides the production, what about a peanut? What about a peanut farm? Do you think that then you can extrapolate some learnings to the person that's in some other agriculture? You know, there's a lot of similarities between peanuts and other crops. And so being able to see at what growth stages things are really important in, whether we're talking peanuts or another crop like soybeans that a lot of growers are familiar with, a lot of the same things translate back and forth. So making sure that that uh, plant has, you know, the right balance of growth hormones, has the right aspects of fertility versus the crop stage. 
a lot of things like that, they can translate back and forth. Um, <clears throat> what about nutrition or the soil? You know, we think about some crops since you're, since you're all about the consultant, I see pictures on social media of you out driving your four wheeler around probing the soil. Do peanuts beat the heck out of the soil? Do they take a whole bunch of anything? I mean, what, and I know that they require a certain amount of fungicide treatment because of where they're grown and the type of plant. So talk to me about treatments and what do I need to know about soil and plant? Yeah, so when it comes to the soil, peanuts are actually, a, a we call them a really good scavenger. Of course, if we want to push the envelope, we're going to have to apply what they need. But sometimes when it comes to fertilizing peanuts, they get their redheaded stepchild thought like soybeans. So we're going to fertilize our other crops and well, the peanuts are just going to get whatever's left over. So really trying to change that mindset so we can actually fertilize peanuts for peanuts that's something that we're always working with. And then, like you mentioned, with the fungicide use, you know, uh, peanuts are susceptible to a lot of the, uh, the pathogens and diseases in our area here in, in the southeast United States with our, you know, high rainfall environments, usually a lot of irrigation and, and heat, of course. So we constantly have to be out in our fields, whether that be scouting, looking for things or sticking to a good solid fungicide spray program. So peanuts require a lot more hands-on than some crops because, uh, you know, our, our man Matt Miles says that cotton is a plant that looks to uh, a way to die every day. Uh, are peanuts that fragile? Not necessarily. You know, uh, they are a large seed, so we can stick them in the ground two or three inches and they'll come up and they'll push a rock out of the way to be able to survive. So in that in that circumstance, they really do good in a lot of environments. Of course, we there's a lot of things that we can do to make them better, uh, but but yeah, they're they're usually pretty hardy for the average grower. What do you want to learn? Uh, I love the fact that you're all about the learning, and you know, you talked about going to conferences, which we have. In fact, we have something coming up February 14th. We're going to be at the Ag Machinery Show in Louisville, and our members, our paying members, can be in the audience there um, for a special uh, social hour we're hosting. Um, we're all about learning. What can you learn, and what do you look to learn by being a part of this group? One thing that I, I've really enjoyed learning as, you know, as we go through uh, with me being a member and then being able to learn from the other guys with Extreme Mag is just how to take our crops from good to great. I work with, uh, you know, in my career, I don't work with any of the uh, top grow the top yield producers in the world. They're all, you know, good producers that are just trying to take things to the next step. So being able to learn from people who, you know, they're being able to, you know, set those yield records and, and really, really fine tune their crop management. That's something that I always enjoy and look forward to learning more about to be able to uh, not only help the growers that I work with, but the other members of Extreme Ag. Yeah. So what's that difference? I mean, you said good to great, which is a book, of course, and you talked about going to that next thing. I was in Chad Henderson's field uh, this summer recording videos and talking about things like tissue sampling or whatnot. And Chad said, hey, you know what? If we just wanted to be average, no offense, I could work less, not work as much, not not get out here and do as much experimental stuff. Um, call the co-op, let them come out and spray my fields. 
not go to the beach. He said, I want to be at that next level or even the level above that. Um, what what makes you go to that next level or the level above that? Is it just work ethic? Is it um, a willingness to experiment? Is it the willingness to fail? You're, you're, I want your perspective. I know what I think it is. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, uh, you know, we're always trying to do more with less. Even the economics on the farm, the yields that we were going for even five to 10 years ago with today's economics, that makes things really, really tight. So uh, a lot of times, you know, the extra yield that we make when we intensify our crop management, you know, that that's the profit that we can take home. That's what we can use to put food on our tables. And so, you know, trying to feed a growing population too, we're always being demanded of more and more. Um. Put on your ag consultant hat or put on your I came into this business from outside of it hat or put on your I'm 26 and I know everything, you old bastard hat. Whichever hat you want to put on, Caleb, what are we doing wrong? Come on. <laughs> you know, a lot what are of farmers doing wrong? Yeah. Whether it's the one down the road from you or the one in Indiana where I'm from, what are farmers doing wrong? not being aware of what's happening in our fields you know like you mentioned we can go drive by a field oh it looks good oh you know this is we think this is going on we think we think that's going on i was just talking with one of the growers i was working with last night about tissue sampling he said you know what when i was out in my field every week in corn pulling tissue samples i saw more on the inside of my fields this year than i ever have and that I now realize a lot more of what's happening in the fields, what is happening with those plants than I ever had before. So, you know, just being able to go out there and, and put your shadow on the ground, that's about the best thing that we can apply to our fields. And, you know, being, being a good listener to what our plants are saying so that, you know, when they need something, whether it be, uh, better nutrition, whether it be, you know, something to help with stress mitigation or even irrigation in our area, that we're alert to those things. So then we don't have to farm by serendipity and say, oh, you know, the weather wasn't good for us this year, you know, blame something on this and that. When we take the accountability in our, in our, in our own realm, then now we have that drive to figure out, you know, what lessons can I derive from what I saw this year. I agree with that, that you're saying. And, and so that goes back to either it's the work ethic to go out in the field and then, oh, are you saying I ain't working hard? You just said, no, you're not spending enough time paying attention to the, what's happening in your fields. What do farmers need? When you go and you work, work with your clients, what do they need? I know what they tell you they want you to do. What do they need? What, what you know, you're, you're observant kid. What do they need? And I'm talking about anything. I'm talking about anything. I mean, do they need? Do they need to be told that they're wrong? Do they need to be told? Do they need? Do they need to look at things from a different perspective? I'm thinking of things that I. I what do they need? They need to see things with their own eyes. I mean, as far as information goes, there's a ton of information. Whether it comes from a simple Google search or learning from other producers, but a farmers need to see something with their own eyes. They need to see something that's happening in their field. And so being able to, to provide that to, you know, to help the, help the growers see something that they can work on and actually having them go out there in their own fields and see, you know what, 
this actually might work. So instead of doing it in this little block, I'm going to take things to a broader scale to increase their profitability. And also, I was thinking, too, when it comes from the labor aspect, a lot of the operations that I work with, the amount of labor that they have available to them is getting less and less. And so I got, and you know, I've got to cut my workforce by 25%, but then how am I going to do better and do more things to my crop for 2023? So trying to figure out what things are important, what things we need to be focusing on so we can uh, do more with less when it maybe comes to inputs within a field or whether that be from the labor aspect. I agree with all that. And labor is going to be an ongoing issue. Now, the person that maybe just grows corn and soybeans, labor is only an issue when it comes time to maybe, you know, truck out the, the stuff in the fall because it's, you know, more highly automated than, say, uh, you know, celery production. Um yeah, and that's that's a good point right there, because uh, down here where we grow a lot of peanuts and cotton, we joke about everybody up in the Midwest that they plant their crop, call somebody in to come and spray it, and then they go to the beach and come back, you know, a week before harvest time or whatever. So we like to poke fun at that. But, you know, there is something to be said with that, because especially with peanuts, with cotton, too, and there's a lot of produce. So a couple of the growers that I work with, they also grow watermelons, too, and and other and other various forms of produce so the demands in this area are a lot higher in that regard what's the you told me uh, a stat about dothan alabama where where are you specifically and then the stat on dothan alabama yeah so uh i am in the very very corner of southwest georgia so right beside alabama and florida in that corner and uh, about 40 miles from dothan alabama and the stat town give me give me a town name okay the very the very southwest corner is there a town (laughs) yeah blakely georgia is the closest town to where i'm at of course that doesn't make a a lot of difference to the majority of people with all no because nobody's ever heard of blakely okay (laughs) yeah yeah, dothan alabama you told me a stat before hit record about peanuts yep so uh 50% 50% of the peanuts that are produced in the U.S. come from within 100 miles of Dothan, Alabama. So a circle right there in this tri-state area of Georgia, Alabama, and Florida produce half of the peanuts that uh, you eat, whether in, you know, peanut butter, uh, roasted peanuts like you were enjoying, and uh, other products there. Yeah, when I worked for the peanut uh, people way back the first time in like the 90s, uh you know, they said something about where to peanuts. I said, well, I'm assuming that more peanuts are consumed as peanut butter than anything else. So I think it's something like bulk of peanuts. It's kind of like you work for the potato people. And, and of course they say, well, you probably can guess where most of the potatoes go to. I said, yeah, French fries. Cause that's how we consume most of them, but uh, peanut butter and then candy, obviously boatloads of peanuts get used as candy. Hey, well, anything else about peanuts before I ask you your last question? I think that covered it. Uh, oil is another another big peanut product that people use. So we have the different grades. So, you know, you have your premium grades and then your lower grades, and they each go to their different uh, different categories. Yeah, which ones go to oil? The ones that aren't, aren't, aren't as good, or they have an oil-specific peanut? So they do have some high lakes, but the majority of the oil production comes from those lower quality peanuts that you wouldn't necessarily want to look at uh, in roasted peanuts or something. Not saying that they're not fit to consume, but yeah. just, a, just a slightly lower grade. So I know some people who are actually taking, you know, top notch peanuts and then turning them into oil and actually a really good product. Yeah. 
Yeah, but the bulk of the oil. Okay, so you got peanut butter, peanut and candy, peanuts like I eat with my snacks when I drink my beer, and then uh, peanut oil, of course. Um, to get uh, to the next level, you got to understand where your weakness is. You know, where 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 am I vulnerable? Where am I weak? Um, where do you think Caleb Traw has a weakness? that being a part of extreme ag will make you stronger. Give me a category or a topic uh, that you're going to use extreme ag to make one of your weaknesses a strength. You know, the first thing that comes to my mind, just coming out of the hot, dry year that 2022 was for this area, uh, learning how to better manage our stress in the crop. I know that's something that a lot of the guys with extreme ag have been working with and getting some good programs down. And, and of course, here in Southwest Georgia, that's something, you know, our crop is stressed from the time we open the bag and pour a seed in the planter to the time we get it out of the field. So that is something that I am looking to learn from and uh, be able to better mitigate the things that might lower our yield in that regard. Got it. So you're you're going to strengthen you're going to you're going to strengthen yourself up by understanding how to reduce stress on crops by being a part of extreme ag. I like it, uh, Caleb. Uh, we're going to have you be now that you're now that you're an affiliate. We're going to have you on more of these, and we're going to have you on some webinars. We can talk about special, especially South specific stuff because most of the acres you cover as an ag consultant are, are where are they within a are they within hundred are they within that peanut the peanut belt? The vast majority of them are here in uh, Southwest Georgia, Northwest Florida, and Southeast Alabama. Got it. His name is Caleb Traw. He's a ag consultant. He's a lifelong learner and he's a Blakely, Georgia resident, but you don't know where Blakely is. So that's why he'll just keep calling it down here, you know, Southwest Georgia, where it comes together with Florida and Alabama. Right north here, man. <laughs> What's that? Right north of the beach. Right north of the beach. Hey, we look forward to your contribution. Thanks for being a part of this. And also, uh, dear listener, he does a really good job on social media. So you can keep up with him where he'll show you some of the stuff he's doing when he's out driving his four-wheeler around, probing soils and looking at crops and all that. So if you want to keep up with him, find him here because he's going to be contributing stuff. But also you can find him on social media. That's Traw. Spell it. T-R-A. U-G-H. His name's Caleb Traw. My name's Damian Mason. Thanks so much for being here for this episode of Extreme Ag's Cutting the Curve. Thanks for listening to another edition of Cutting the Curve. For more information that you can apply to your farm operation, visit extremeag.farm. Are your crops stressed out? Ag Explore has you covered with a full line of products to help protect your crop from environmental stressors such as cold and wet or heat and drought. Check out agexplorer.com and start protecting your yields and profits.